Talking about stuff, talking about things, talking about you, talking about me. It's not a wild country, and we are celebrating. It is Canberra. Conversations in the capital. Hello, my name is Henry. Welcome to Canberra Conversations in the Capital. Today, at the Gugon Township, I'm joined by Malonglo Conservation Group Project Officer Alyssa Castles. A coordinator of land and park care groups throughout the Malonglo and Queanbeyan Rivers, this not-for-profit organisation provides resources, presents programs and fosters projects in support of the area. Working tirelessly on conservation and habitation protection, Alyssa's journey has brought her to the group and offered her a mission in preservation. The projects she develops and actions she takes all contributes towards building a healthier and more interconnected ecosystem. Hello, Alyssa. How are you today? Hello, Henry. I'm good. How are you? I'm not too bad at all. We're, we're outdoors. We are. We're outdoors. You can probably hear the birds and the animals and critters flying around us yeah. <laughs> and the flies as well. <laughs> I haven't been outdoors in a while now. In in terms of this show, not generally. I, I, I do walk <laughs> outside do sometimes. House. We are at the Gugon Township. Yes. We're on this Gugon site and we've just had a walk around, we've been attacked by 40 million flies, and <laughs> we've had a look for just different kinds of flora and fauna in the area. Tell me about this site and its importance to you and the Malonglo Conservation Group. Yeah, absolutely. So to start with, we're on Ngunnawal country. We're outside of the ACT, but we're still in Ngunnawal country. In fact, we're just a stone's throw from a site of significance where some artifacts have been discovered. So we're in a very important spot. So not only is it important ecologically but it's also important culturally so very very lucky to be here today. So we're just south of Gugong, we're in the sanctuary block that is partly funded by the Gugong Township itself, the Peat Limited, the residential developer and by the Saving Our Species New South Wales government grant. It's a really nice area too, it's cool seeing Canberra for what it is, you know, in the bush capital sense. We're not that far away from everything, and yet everything feels so far away from us. Yeah, absolutely. We sort of in, are in a bowl at the moment, so in every single direction that we look, we can see mountains and trees around us, so we're very isolated right here, which is amazing. You don't get it very often. For sure. Now, tell me a bit about your journey in all things wildlife conservation leading up to this point. So I'm very new in the conservation world. At the start of COVID, I had the great opportunity to sort of readjust and reevaluate where I wanted to be going with my career and my lifestyle. And the lockdown sort of gave me time to reflect and decide and I decided on conservation. So I studied conservation and ecosystems management at the Canberra Institute of Technology. And from that, I was able to volunteer with the coolest groups ever. So I volunteered initially with the Southern ACT catchment group. Mm and we were doing a bushfire recovery program with Lancare ACT. So that was incredible. We were managing a site in the Alpine Bogs at the top of Tidbinbilla, and we were restoring the sphagnum moss there, which Mm. was an amazing journey and came a long way in the short time that we were there. So that was very powerful to be part of that. And from there, I was able to come into the Malongo Conservation Group, and that's where I am now, and it's just been awesome. How lovely. And I want to hear more about the Malongo Conservation Group. So what do you guys do? What are you all about? We exist to facilitate environmental restoration projects between the community and the government. So with land care and park care groups and any of our member groups, we exist to help them go in the direction that they want to with whatever conservation works they do. So we have a number of different member groups and friend groups that do different things all over Canberra. So in every suburb, there's essentially one. In Ainsley, we have three. <laughs> so they're, they're all over Canberra. There's a lot to do. 
and every project is different every member group is different and we're there to support and facilitate anything that they need if they need any grants written up you know we're just there to help them and it's just awesome we get to go around and see what they do and we're there throughout the journey are there any specific programs or projects that you're really interested in or you're really part of so we have something called Habitat for Wildlife that we're involved in across a number of our active environment grants. Mm-hmm. So Habitat for Wildlife is essentially a smaller scale land for wildlife program where people that are living in urban spaces are encouraged to grow Habitat for Wildlife on their balconies or in their homes. Cool. Um, so we have three active projects that we have that going. So we have one in Oaks Estate, one in Narrabunda Wetlands and one in Coombs. Mm. So the Habitat for Wildlife looks different across each of those projects. Coombs has, we've been working with ACT for Bees to develop bee-friendly networks across those urban spaces. Huh. The Narrabunda Wetlands, we've engaged the schools in the community to grow seeds at their site, which will then be planted at the wetlands just beside the school and in their yards as well. So that'll sort of help create a network there. And we've also got in Oaks Estate, we're looking at developing a program to promote habitat for glossy black cockatoos. Huh. I think bees are really important to the world. I think they're less annoying than the flies around us right now <laughs> yeah. are, for sure. What are some fun bits of info you may have about native bees? So the coolest thing about our native bees is they're very different from the European honeybees that we all are very familiar with. Our native bees are solitary, so mm-hmm. they don't have hives, they don't have big nests oh. that we're sort of more accustomed to thinking about when we talk about bees. And they're very solitary They pollinate native, mostly plants, and they have a whole different way of living. So when we think about native bees, it's a total different ballgame to the honeybees. A lot of the native bees are ground-dwelling as well as tree-dwelling, and they burrow into the ground or into trees to lay their eggs, and they seal those holes up by putting some food in there and sort of leaving them to it. So it's a very different way of raising a family that the (laughs) traditional beehive that we're used to so a lot of that habitat has been cleared and so by promoting habitat through the urban spaces we're still fostering that environment in even an artificial space it's still giving them something to live in and feed on so yeah that's so cool would you rather be a native bee or european bee if you had to choose probably a native bee yeah Um, why I like that solitary lifestyle. They just get to do their own thing. They don't have to like report back to the hive. <laughs> More just float around, just fly yeah, around. That's right. Do your own business. Yeah. Care for the environment. I dig it. How good. So the reason we're out here today was to try and find some pink-tailed worm lizards. It's a project that you've been heavily in the middle of in in your time here. Tell me about the pink-tailed worm lizard and tell me about their importance to the habitat around us. Yeah, absolutely. So the pink-tailed worm lizard is a type of legless lizard that used to be more commonly spread throughout the southeast coast of Australia, but their habitat has been heavily fragmented due to urbanisation and land clearing Mm. for agriculture. So this is one of the lucky spots that we've got. There's still an active site with pink-tail worm lizard. So pink-tail worm lizard is important for biodiversity because it's part of our ecology. It's part of one of the many species that have been rapidly in decline across Australia. And it's not 
an isolated animal that's becoming threatened to our environment it's one of many and it, it's it's just one but it's if we care about one at a time which is what the saving our species program does we're helping to reduce that risk of losing them entirely and we're helping to maintain that biodiversity in the environments that they live yeah because these web lizards they are vulnerable right yes now. they are uh, they were declared vulnerable in 2008 so that makes it all the more important to protect them for sure I had a look at a photo of a pink-tailed worm lizard and the best way I can describe it is that it looks kind of like a sour worm, the lolly, <laughs> except like the end bit where the tail is is, is is pink. What defines it as a lizard rather than just a worm? So the pink-tailed worm lizard does kind of look like a gummy worm. <laughs> it is maximum 24 centimetres long, so it is tiny, it is really thin, really skinny, and they are very delicate looking so mm. they look like earthworms they often get misidentified as worms or as baby brown snakes yeah they're not snakes they're not related to snakes but they are a convergent species with the blind snake and that's because the habitat that they live in is very similar so they don't need those legs to travel underground through the ant burrows so that's why they've lost those the difference mostly is the blind snake doesn't have eyes and that's because mm. the, the eyes were a point of vulnerability for them so they were often attacked by ants and that's why they lost their eyes so is that difference. So at some point they would have not been called a blind snake. Yeah, they, they would have had eyes and they, they would have had legs. Just a generic yeah. snake or something so they're just had to name them. Losing limbs and <laughs> <laughs> everything one thing at a time until they Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and all these different creatures they they kind of just all live together under that rock because we didn't find a pink-tailed worm lizard, but we found a scorpion yeah, under one of them. Absolutely. So for our annual pink-tailed worm lizard surveys yeah. when we go rock flipping we often find a lot of things that live under the rocks that aren't pink-tailed worm lizards, which is awesome because we get to see the lengths of biodiversity that we have here and what type of things live in the same habitat. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you'll often find a lot of animals under one rock and the pink-tailed worm lizards themselves share, they um, share rock spaces. So we found one with one rock with four living under it. And wow. I think maximum that has ever been found is eight living under one rock, which is just incredible. It's just a fun neighbourhood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when it comes to protecting that kind of habitat what kind of advice or thoughts might you have for for people because as we were looking around we noticed that some of these rocks were recently either moved or flipped uh already and that could potentially affect the ecosystem that's already happening around it stuff like that do you have any thoughts or advice for people to help maintain the habitats around absolutely so with the pink tail worm lizard because the urbanization is growing mm -hmm. and we're encroaching on their territory their habitat we're putting the pink-tailed worm lizards and other species at risk of damaging the habitat accidentally just right. by just by being here just by being present so rock flipping is a big one we had a cheeky look today but yep. i wouldn't encourage anyone else to sort of go out to sites that they are unfamiliar with and flip rocks and that's also because of dangers with snakes and other types of reptiles it could be a hazard but it also does disrupt the habitat that they live in mm. Another big issue has been brought about by social media. I don't know if you've seen the stacking of rocks called rock cans. Yeah. Yeah, they're very popular, but it's actually when people do that, it's removing those rocks from the habitat site. So yeah, sure. it's reducing the corridor pathways that those reptiles need. Um, when you're riding your bike, don't ride off the bike path because that could be habitat that you're riding through and damaging. Don't leave any rubbish obviously i think we all <laughs> yeah. know that one that's it but even in urban spaces we shouldn't be letting our weeds grow out of control in our yards because they do quickly spread into rural 
environments and looking around here we're in a sanctuary site and there are still weeds coming through so they do travel around on, the, on everyone's shoes. I think we've all got some seeds yeah. in our socks Absolutely, today. Absolutely, <laughs> after that walk, yeah. yeah. But even after all of this, the, the rewarding moments that must come from helping out and maintaining the ecosystems must be a plenty. Do you have any ones that come to mind? Immediately what comes to mind is the first time I actually saw a pink tail worm lizard. Yeah. I inherited this project. It wasn't actually my little love child. It was <laughs> it was given to me when I came on board with the Malonglo group. And I'm so lucky that I got given it because it's an incredible project. Um, but it was abstract. It was a name on a paper. It was an animal that I wasn't familiar with and I didn't know much about. And the first time that I actually saw one, it sort of just like changed for me and it realigned my perspective of, okay, there are actually creatures out here that we're looking after and this is a tangible difference that we're making. So it was really quite profound. How good. <laughs> this is a question that I've asked every guest on this season of the podcast so far and I'm curious to see your opinion on it uh, I want you to give me a controversial opinion or idea you have about the ACT so my I don't know if it's controversial but I really don't like the stormwater drains here in Canberra okay. I'm sure everyone is familiar with the stormwater <laughs> drains you probably see them near your house or you drive past them on your way to work they're those big ugly concrete <laughs> linear funnels that sort of push the water from A to B as quickly as they can and they're terrible for a lot of reasons <laughs> Um, water's not supposed to move that fast, so mm. when it does get pushed through the environment that quickly, it's picking up a lot of sediment, it's picking up a lot of chemical runoff, it's picking up the nitrates in the concrete, and by the time it's coming out the other end, it's more degraded than it was at the start. Right. So, and it's not sure. being filtered when it comes out the end either, so it's just being pumped back into our waterways as it is. I, I like that your reasoning has basis. Yeah. Or rather, your opinion, your controversial opinion has basis, and it's yeah. not just like... And it's related to my work. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So those drains were put there, they're not randomly put there, they were existing waterways before and they could be again. So if we removed those drains and re-established the chain of ponds or the wetlands or the floodplains and restore the water back into the landscape and restore those that vegetation back into the landscape, it'd be much more beneficial not only for the environment but for us as well because yeah. it ends up in our water. How good, well said. And when it comes to the future of the Mlongla Conservation Group, what is what is in store for this year, for 2023? So we have a lot of fun things coming up for the Apraisia, the Pink Tail Worm Lizard Project. Mm -hmm. We've got a responsible pet ownership education program that we're developing here for Gugong, because oh, yeah? Gugong is not a cat containment suburb, mm. and we're just wanting to help educate the community about the responsibilities of having a cat and what it means for our environment. If you look around where we are, we've got a cat-proof and fox-proof fence, yep. um, but that's not applicable all across. Yeah, and sure. there are environments that are in danger due to cat and fox predation. So that's something that we're looking to change this year. Mm -hmm. This project will be completed in 2024 mm -hmm. and the Woodlands project will be finished this year. So we're actually in the process of looking at new projects now to apply for the Saving Our Species grant. Yeah, nice. So we're looking through and finding what animals we think will really benefit from our help so that's a really exciting process getting to you know go through and decide and see where we can help you know it's one of those dream come true moments of what can I do to help oh I can do something to help so yeah yeah that's that's lovely and finally Alyssa the the floor is yours is there anything else you'd like to 
say to our listeners about what you do, about the Modern Conservation Group, or just any general things that may come to mind? So, as I was saying, it's not just landholders that can contribute to this conservation effort. Though citizen science is a big one that I would suggest. I wouldn't recommend everyone go out and look under rocks to try to find pigtail worm lizards. <laughs> um, but if you do happen to see one, because I know a lot of people do, and a lot of people do think that they're baby brown snakes and they report them as such. Um, but if you do happen to find one, make sure you're reporting it on the Canberra Nature Map, mm-hmm. which is an app that you can get on your phone. An incredible resource to look at all the different species across Canberra. But it also helps us track where they are. And we're looking to expand our population distribution map. Mm-hmm. So the more that we know where they are, the better our map and our understanding can be. So that's definitely one of the big ones. I'll also just add that there is so much that we can do at home. Like you don't have to be working in conservation to be making a difference. You can make a difference in your own backyard, not just by planting things, which is obviously very good, especially if you're planting kangaroo grass instead of mm. you know normal turf and planting native flowers instead of your sort of cottage gardens. Yeah. But there's other things you can do. So if you're building a path or a rock garden, just make sure you're aware of where those rocks are coming from. Make sure they're from a registered quarry. Mm. Don't be taking them directly from rivers, please, (laughs) because that has definitely happened. You could be adding roof tiles into your grass gardens Mm -hmm. to increase your ant population in your backyard. I know ants aren't very popular. (laughs) It's like backyard pets, but they're very important. And if we have more ants in backyards, then it'll increase the likelihood of the native species that we want to spread and have habitat to live in so yeah there's plenty to be done at home if you need more information there are resources available on our website as well how good Alyssa this has been so much fun it's been so nice just having a chat with you outside in nature it's it's, it's been so long since just had a chance to just sit down and you know breathe it all in so thank you so much I'm sorry that we've been attacked by flies the whole time (laughs) that's all right that's all right it's I think I genuinely just choked on one. Watched and it you know what, producers, we're going to keep that in. So, <laughs> <laughs> folks, my name is Henry, and from the Kukon Township, this has been Canberra Conversations in the Capital. Stay safe, be kind, and we'll see you all soon. <laughs> <laughs>